the Dear Sparrows podcast. So welcome to week two of our Unveiled series. I am super excited about this. So Unveiled officially came out in real time yesterday, um, Monday the 11th, and man, that was that was really neat. Um, glory to God. Truly, truly, truly glory to God on that. But thinking about just how this book started and how... God time it was, how fast it came together, um, even in the writing process and the editing process, just how he blessed everything so well. Um, it's just really humbling to look at that, and it's been cool to um, already just see, you know, kind of the hype and everything about it. Um, I'm blessed about that and, and happy to share that. And so we're kind of continuing with the series here um, of Unveil to share more of what this book is about and what you can expect and um hopefully you know it'll encourage you that you want to pick up the book um and and give it a shot and reading it um we're kind of going week by week um just an overview I'm not going to go like literally read the book to you guys in this podcast but to kind of talk about what we're talking about in each chapter so this week is named this by far was my favorite chapter um, in writing, and so kind of a backstory behind the scenes of it, of how it came to be, um, I'd say it was probably, it, it's been a while, um, but probably last spring, so a good year ago, the Lord really started highlighting to me um, pieces of names, and this happened when I was working in um, finishing up Dear Young Sparrow and writing the section on Ruth, and more than ever, I fell in love with the book of Ruth. I just, she's, she's my homegirl. I, um, I really fell in love with that, but I was reading about the names and what the names meant. And the Lord really sparked in me to start thinking more about meaning behind names and looking behind that. And the Lord is good in that he will leave seeds for us that later will become trees, um, that he plant that he grows, and so this was this was one of the trees. Um, and so he had planted the seed at that time, of kind of inquiring, being curious about what names meant, and continuing to walk forward in that. And so this week on names, so names are significant. Um, if you know, if you've followed the podcast, if you talk to me, if you know me with anything with that, you you kind of know. Um, I have a quite deep admiration for Cinderella. I. I don't know, I'm kind of, I guess, unofficially, I, I kind of maybe call myself that, because <laughs> um, I just, I, I truly believe in the message of Cinderella, and I believe in the heart and the intent behind it, and I remember so vividly in the 2015 version, um, the live-action version, they have Cinderella, and she begins sleeping by the cinders, and they were saying how names held power, right? Names hold power, and we begin to wear our names on us, um, in a, in a deeper way. And in the scene, they had a really great cinematography, um, which is really well done. And they had her looking at herself at, in this, this like silver bowl, but the way the bowl was created, it had these edges that though it did have a mere like effect, um, it was bent and it was reflected her in a way that was not pretty or aesthetic to the eye, and that was representative of, of how the others around her were making her feel, and that she was taking on that name, even to the point where when she later will meet the prince in the forest, he says, well, what did, what did they call you? 
And that is an interesting way of what do they call you, not saying what is your name, but saying what do they call you. And she says, never mind what they call me, because that was something she was assuming. And that's true in actually many languages. Um, in Spanish, you would say me llamo. Now, for English, it's commonly my name is, or my name is, but actually me llamo is directly translated out, I call myself. So me llamo, it's, it's a name that you are putting into your identity, you're putting into yourself. It's something that you are saying, this is reflective of who I am, right? And, and so names do hold such a meaning. And so especially in this book, that's, that's what we're talking about here in chapter two and moving forward. And so in the Bible, there are so many examples of times in which God literally changed names or revealed why somebody was named something. And so I won't go in through all of them, but I will talk about a few of them. So the first one is actually um, Adam, the first, the first man. And so this is interesting because God names Adam, right? So God gives him, the first man, his name. And what's ironic is, and we'll talk about in a minute, that then God later gives him the permission to name other things. Um, so Adam actually means directly translated earth or to be read. And now this, this is so beautiful. And this is where God is just such a poet. And there's so much metaphor and depth and every bit and piece of the intention of God. Um, and that where he says, so earth to be read is what it means in Hebrew. And in the book, I talk about Adam was formed from the red clays of the earth. But isn't it ironic that he was named to be read. In fact, the red blood of Christ would one day redeem the first sin that Adam and his wife committed. So the symbolism of God. So God knew, it's not that God, it was in God's will for Adam and Eve to sin, but God knew in his infinite wisdom that that would be something that would happen. But God already had planned before the beginning of the earth how to redeem the earth, how to redeem mankind, how to set right what had been wronged, right? And so he knew, naming Adam red from the earth, that the redemptive blood of Christ would one day spill to redeem and make that right. And that is just so cool. So cool. I mean, so many times throughout the Bible, they refer, um, they, they'll say things like death through Adam, life through Christ, right? And, but that is a redemption. That is the redemption that is brought back around full circle. And... Um, later we even see that God gives Adam the permission to name other things. Um, so Adam's first, one of his first, I guess, missions or calls that he's given is he is to name every animal. And so we don't even know how long he is doing this. Um, but he's sitting there, he's, he's naming every animal, and it already shows that God had created him with a brain of creativity and of just, I mean, can you imagine naming every animal? And, and God had given him that ability. It's not that he was just this kind of lifeless, existing person, but he had a brain. He had creativity. He had ways to think and manifest. And, um, and that is just a beautiful thought in that. And he actually ends up, and God literally gives him the permission to name um, Eve as well, which is neat. Um, it says woman, which means, you know, of man, um, and that's, and that's pretty cool talking about the counterpart, and, and that's something to talk about later in, in more relationship kind of 
context, maybe the, the connotations and the meanings behind that. But it is a really cool thing to see, um, the permission that God gave first and naming something. And perhaps I'm just a little too over the top at times, but I don't think it's a bad thing. I, I believe that when we are given the permission to name something that we, in a way, bless and have that um, speaking life into that. So God spoke life when he made Adam and he breathed life into him. He breathed his spirit into him and he spoke the life of saying, your name is from the dirt, which is literally what you came from, but also to be read because the things that you will do in your life will, will be redeemed by my son, by his blood. And so God gave him that name. And so in the same way, when we give something a name, we are giving permission for something to take part or something to um, come out of it. And that, that is a beautiful thing. Um, there's a story that I heard. My favorite author of all time is Eric Metaxas. He is profound in the way that he can convey um, someone's remarkable life or just really even how his, even in ministry, how he really does a great job of um, articulating things, but also keeping in truth with word and spirit and keeping that beautiful balance and living by the spirit, um, but confirming in the word with things too. And so he was sharing in the speech I was watching recently on Martin Luther that Martin Luther was born on November uh, November 11th. Um, they don't know what year. It was like a three-year kind of span that they weren't sure, but they knew his birthday was November 11th. And he was christened by the church. Now, he was born on St. Martin's Day. And so in the process of Eric and Texas going and doing research in Germany on Martin Luther, he was, he was in the town, he was studying and whatever, learned about the birthday thing. And the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, who was St. Martin? And so he, he took the bite. He took the bite and was like, I don't know. So he literally looks up on Wikipedia who St. Martin was. Now, the two vital pieces that would really come to play in Martin Luther's life. One, 95 Thesis. Um, we have that imagery of Martin Luther getting up early in the morning, October 31st. It wasn't Halloween at the point. And, and then 1517, taking the 95 Thesis, putting it up at Wittenberg Church to say and convey the revelations that God has given him. But that wasn't the final thing because that was that was the first, you know, like, hey, guess what? But then the Edict of Worms would later come where he would literally defend the 95 Thesis and he would literally defend what the Lord had told him. And there's so many pieces of a Martin Luther's life that really came into play for that moment. But that was one of the, um, the, the very pertinent moments in Martin Luther's life. And so that being said... Eric Metaxas tells how he looked up who St. Martin was. Well, St. Martin was a saint um, early, you know, Roman Empire who did not want to, he was a soldier, but he did not want to fight. He, he was pacifist and he did not feel that, you know, in following the Lord that it was right for him to be on the front lines. But he agreed, I will go and I will stand with you all and I will stand firm with that, but I will not fight or kill somebody else. Well it comes to be that there's going to be this battle, and the battle doesn't end up happening, but where that defining moment of St. Martin's life happens is in modern-day Worms, Germany. And so what was so cool and what Eric Metaxas was saying that was in a way prophetic that his parents would name him after somebody who, at the same point, they both had these defining life moments happen at the same exact place. 
And that is mind-boggling. I mean, I just, I found myself, I'm sitting there, it's like 2 o'clock in the morning, and I'm watching this YouTube video interview of this. And I'm like, dang! <laughs> the cat's looking at me like, what's wrong with you? But it, it blew my mind. I mean, what a, what a cool thing, and how names hold power. And how we are gifted with that ability that when we have a pet or a child or something, that we get to give them that name. And I just think that there's something really beautiful in that. Um, I actually found out recently, my, my mom and I were talking, and uh, my name, so my name's Callie, of course, and my name, people will ask me all the time, what's it short for, and whatever else, and uh, it's not short for anything, it's just Callie, um, though my f- close friends call me Cal, but I, my name came from a show in the 80s called Dallas, so there was a show in the 1980s that was super popular called Dallas, I've never actually seen it. But one of the characters on the show was named Callie, and she was an artist. And I actually, like, looked up her picture and everything, and my mom was saying that she loved that name, and she felt like she knew when she was carrying me, um, she knew that I'd be an artist, and she thought, actually, when she was putting together my first and middle name, which is what I go by for everything and and anything I do, Callie Logan, um, she was like, I felt like that sounded like an author name. And so I think that was almost prophetic and interesting, that she even knew, you know, way back in the <laughs> um, beginning of the 90s, that she felt that that was what my name should be. She felt that she knew, and she kind of spoke life into that, that I would be an artist and that my first and middle name would be something to carry me for an author name. And so um, I just think that that's really beautiful and there's a lot of power in that, and that she took the liberty and and naming me and speaking life into that. Um, And that's something that we are gifted when we have the ability, even the pet, to get to speak life into that name of what that pet shall be called. Um, So as you can imagine, uh, whenever I get a pet or whatever else, it takes takes me a while to kind of figure out what I'm going to name it. I don't have any pets right now that are my own, but I'm like, still plotting over what I'm going to name the cat I'm going to get one day, you know, because it, it holds meaning. So, get it back to some of our Bible ones, and I go through so many in here, so please, if you have the book, really pay attention, because it is so cool seeing how the Lord really works in these given names, and how he just uses the names. Now, uh, one of the most notable ones that I have to say was actually um, Peter. So Peter in the Bible, he's called Simon Peter. Now Simon means reed. And reed in the way of like when you're at the beach and you see those those reeds blowing back and forth and they blow back and forth and they blow back and forth. And Jesus says to him, no, 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 I'm going to call you Peter. And Peter means rock or foundation. So Jesus was speaking life into him and saying, this is your name. I know you were given the name reed, wavering unsure, but I'm giving you the name Peter. And one of the most important and coolest things of how Jesus executes this is of the story of Peter denying Jesus three times. So Jesus, when he prophesies that to Peter, and he says, this is what's going to happen, even though Peter doesn't believe it, it does end up happening. He actually calls him Simon. So he's literally saying, you blowing reed in the wind, aka Simon, before the rooster crows, you're going to say three times, you don't know me. 
And that ends up happening. But, and, and after this, Peter is distraught. I mean, Peter literally hates himself that he denied Jesus himself in front of literally like even like a teenage girl um, it, it, during the time of, of, you know, Jesus being captured and the crucifixion and everything before the rooster would crow. And what's interesting, though, is then in the next scene where we really see Peter and Jesus interact um, is after Jesus has died and come back. And it's one of my favorite Bible stories. Jesus is sitting on the beach and he's caught some fish and he's got some bread. So he's making breakfast for everybody. And the disciples come up on the beach and they're like, it, is it really him? And, you know, they're getting hyped. And it's just beautiful imagery that Jesus is just like, I made y'all some breakfast. <laughs> you know, it's, it's so sweet and loving. And even he's serving in that. He's like, I made you breakfast, right? Um, and so Jesus embraces Peter. He doesn't say, I'm ashamed of you. He doesn't say, you know, why did you deny me? He, he embraces him and he loves him, but he calls him Peter. He calls him Peter because Jesus did not see him as the reed that he was. He saw him as the man who had been changed. He saw them, him as the man who had a, a manifestation in his heart that he knew that Jesus was the Messiah and that Jesus had come and Jesus did what he intended to do. And he had a heart and a mission to then further and tell of the love of the Lord and the church. And so he calls him Peter because he said he's basically saying, you are now the rock. You have become the man that walking with me these past three years has made you to be. And you are ready for your next season of life, which is going to be the rock of the church. And you're just like, dang! That, how cool is that? How cool is that? So the purpose and the ministry behind that. So there's, there's many more examples in the book of name changes and, and what God does in that. Um, I mean, they're just irresistible. You're going to get to the point where all you want to do is look up everyone's name and what it means. Um, and I highly encourage that. I was talking to my youth kids the other day, and I told them, I said, look up your names and then look at what that might say about your destiny. Or ask the Lord, what is my name to you? Because, yeah, there's, there's these names that we are given by humans, but then there's names we're given by God. And so asking the Lord, what name have you given me? What do you call me? And um, this was actually a neat thing. I asked the Lord what my name is to him. And um, I just, I, I heard in the soft whisper, beautiful. And I actually looked up what my name means, Callie, and it actually does mean beautiful, which is not a coincidence, and that is something I'm learning to believe in my own self, if I'm being truthfully honest. Um, but how beautiful that that's how God sees me, even if that's not how I quite see me yet. But I'm in the process of it, right? But that's how God sees me, and so if God sees me in that way, God is love and God is truth, so that must make it true, Right? And so in the same ways, how often do we actually call ourselves things that, and I'm, I'm probably more guilty than anyone else of this, but how often do we call ourselves unworthy, foolish, unlovable, broken, um, dumb, ugly, fat? How often do we call ourselves those things? And what if we actually looked at it that we might be calling ourselves those things, but what if we were actually believing the lie that the enemy thinks we are those things? What if we were believing the lie that 
the enemy actually whispered those things on our ears that we should believe our of those those things of ourselves. But all along, that's not what God intended for us, and that's not what God calls us. So what if all along, that's what we had been labeling on ourselves and believing, when in fact God had something totally and completely different? And so if we look in the Word, I mean, it's clear. So if God, if God is the God of love, and if God cannot lie, as it says in 1 Samuel 15, as it says in Numbers 23, if God cannot lie, and He is true, then... Then let's look at it. So I have uh, there's a there's multiple pages here of these and just just a few. I am not forgotten. How often do we feel like God's forgotten us? And we see in Isaiah 49, 15 through 16, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. See, your walls are ever before me. Or how about I am free? For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, then do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. How often do we feel unloved and say we aren't loved? One thing God has spoken, two things I have heard. Power belongs to you, God, and I am with you, Lord. I'm failing in love. How beautiful is that? How about I am seen? But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height or his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. That's from 1 Samuel 16, 7. And how about I am valuable? Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion for the son of her womb? Surely they may forget, yet I will not forget you. Isaiah 49, 15. And I am called by name. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls the sheep by name and leads them out. And that is John ten three. And one of the um, really pinnacle things of this ministry and podcast and everything was John 10. To have life and life abundantly, not life and life apathetically. And so believing that God calls you by name. How beautiful is that? And knowing that that life abundance just comes six verses later, right? And that he calls you by name. He knows you by name. And he has known you since before you were even crafted or woven together because he wove you together. So believing the name that he has for you over the name that you place on yourself, over the names that perhaps somebody that you expected and hoped would call you correctly has not called you but believing the things that God says instead. And so that's kind of wrapping up for, for week two of Unveiled here, but, but really looking at next time you start to say something, even about yourself, like looking in the mirror, what are the top three things, honest things that you say about yourself? And then say, is that what God would say about me as well? Or is that what the enemy is trying to make me believe about myself? And it's like a name tag. Our words are name tags that we put on ourselves. That is part of our identity, is a name. So we get to choose, are we going to let our identity and our name be a truth or a lie? Are we, and then further than that, are, what are we going to walk out? How are we going to properly convey the love and beauty of Christ if we walk around with a name tag that is a lie? You can't share the truth if you're walking around believing and living a lie, that that's on your name tag, that's on you. And that's, that is to be said, I mean, gosh, that is, it's a process. 
I am, he, he spoke that to me very long ago, probably eight months ago about the beautiful thing, and I'm still trying to believe that, but I'm trying, and that's the process of it, um, trying to take down anything anyone else has ever said, and let those scars be gone, and believe what he says over what the enemy says, or what hurtful middle school girls ever said, you know, 15 years ago, um, or anything else, so, I'm praying for you guys this week. I'm praying that you would come to know him better, come to believe the truths that he has over you, and to squash those lies like a bug um, and not believe them. And um, please, you know, if you feel so inclined, think about getting the book. I, it's, it's truly the heart and intent of it is to bless and help whomever would read it to come closer to God and to walk confidently, authentically, and fearlessly into the person that God made them to be. Because God made you to be something and someone very special. So, uh, dear Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for the listeners um, of this podcast. And I just pray that as you call us by name, Lord, that we would hear you clearly. We would believe the names that you have for us. We believe that we are chosen that we are loved, that we are seen, that we are understood, and that we are fought for by you. I pray that everyone listening to this would know that they are safe on their wing, Lord. And I pray that you would be honored and glorified above all else. We praise your holy name, Lord. We praise your name of love and of power and of grace and of truth. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Be blessed, guys. Um, continue to, you know, give me feedback on the Instagram or anything else. Um, always looking forward to that. Excited to continue to walk through Unveiled with you guys over the next several weeks. And um, check it out. It's available on Amazon.com. All right. Be blessed.